Cool Jane Cougar, Mark Thompson with you guys. So, this is brought to you by shoptyt.com, I suppose. Where you can get these unbossed shirts. Hey, that's Nina Turner's show. That's kind of badass. That looks good. Am I bossed? Hell no, I'm unbossed. I think my sister's gonna buy one of these. I sent it to her, I guess, like a joke or something. I sent a picture because it was something she had said. She's like, wait a minute, where do I get that? Yeah. Yeah. And I said, well, I'm glad you asked. Shoptyt.com. Well, it's what I like is the, we call that a slicker or what is that that you're wearing? The TYT, the jacket. I have no idea what it's called. It's, you were asking a but it's on, question but it, related to clothing slash But fashion. that is also at Shop TYT, right? No, this one isn't actually. Okay. So it's kind of a tease. Mark, that's a CEO jacket. Yeah, only <laughs> the executives get to their out. No, uh, no, they got it for the host or something. It was like uh, maybe on our 20th anniversary. Oh, I see, yeah. That's but they're pretty fair, expensive. Fair. Like if we can, like I'm afraid of get, like offering it to you guys and then it's sure. like, in order for us to break even, it's like going to be a significant number, and then be like, "Oh, look at the young turns to turn into kind." Yeah, no, exactly. You always worry <laughs> that you guys. It's like uh, I have a merch site with my show. Mm-hmm. It's getmarkmerch.com, and we had this same thing just happen with a hoodie. So the hoodie is much more than like a coffee cup or a, you know all the little stuff that's usually on a merch site. So we have this hoodie, and they. Say, hey, we've designed it. It's cool. They send it to me. I go, wow, it's really great. But I'm worried about putting on the site for the reasons that Jenk is mentioning, which is associated with the fact that I don't want the audience thinking that I'm soaking them. You know what I mean? It's just a fun thing, the merch. It helps us a little bit. So most of everything is priced on my merch site at like more or less get even prices. A little bit of a profit that goes to the show. So then they price the hoodie. I haven't even talked prices with them. I don't really do it. They know the general ethic. At $44, and I say, $44, well, that's not enough. <laughs> How are we going to make money? Yeah, well, yeah, you're you're not wrong. I'm surprised it's that low. Like, yeah, you can, a, can get pricey. I thought it would be like $70. It's nice. It's got an embroidered thing with the Mark Thompson oh, show on it and stuff. So, that. By yeah. the way, you know what I did right before we got on the show or got on air? I went to the Mark Thompson show to subscribe and found out, oh, right, I already subscribed. Thank you, Jenk. Okay, you. now- but, uh, this is an awkward moment between us. Can I start with an awkward moment? Have the show started? Have, have we begun? We have officially begun, Mark. Okay, all right, all and right. I only have one topic today. Right. Only one topic. We'll get user viewer comments. I, I want stuff, you to but. tell me how you would have handled this. It involves you. But I want you to reverse your role in this story and tell me how you, Jenk, would have behaved had you been in my position. The last time I was on Old School, off the air, you know, like kind of setting stuff up. And I said to Jank, and he's so great because it really helps me now because of this YouTube world that I'm in to the Mark Thompson show uh, to get the word out to all of you who probably are already familiar with YouTube and everything. Not only that, let me just say this. When I was first beginning, which is only four months ago, I was desperate for information as to how to do this thing. And Jank and his people stepped right up, like no delay. Like I would, I, I sent an email and there was an email back within 30 minutes. And they, so this is a pretty generous crew at TYT. So we're setting up the shot last time. This is a few weeks ago. And I said, hey man, I hate to do this, but it would be so much fun to have you on my show. And he said, well, you know, normally I'm super, super busy and I've been super, super busy, but now the book is done and 
there might be a, an actual opening where I could do it in the next couple of weeks. Mid, Mid-March is what he said. So I leave it alone because he's super busy. Jenkins really hardworking, an earnest guy. He works hard. And then I ping him and I say, hey, uh, you know, and there was somebody in one of our chats actually said it would be great to get Jenk on. So I thought, oh, this is a great opportunity. So I circle the comment in the chat. I send it to him as a screenshot. And I say, hey, Jenk, you know, maybe uh, you can, uh, the audience wants you and I want you, you know. Uh, tell me when you might be able to do our show. And I hear nothing back, <laughs> nothing at all. So I leave it alone because, again, I default to Ed. Jank's busy and I'm going to see him and whatever. Uh, would you have left it alone, Jank, or should I have followed up with you? No, I know the exact etiquette. By the way, I'm seeing this for the first time. You said all the way on March 17th. Okay, so the reason I'm seeing it first time is going to relate to the answer that you're looking for, okay? Because sometimes, well, not with busy people, because that's one, that sounds obnoxious. But two, it's not really the business in this case, it's the people who get tons of texts. And I get tons of texts because our mutual friend, Dan Hamilton, okay? (laughs) Having nothing to do with how busy I am in overall life, right? Right. So sometimes I'll miss a text. But the only time I don't respond to a text, especially this many days later, is if I missed it. Right, because I feel terrible if I don't respond to a text. Sure, me too. So, like, like that racks me with the guilt. So, what are you supposed to do in a situation like that? Because you don't know that, right? right? And each person is different, and they could be really nice in this context, but have a different way of responding to emails or text. In fact, our friend Ben is a good example. Yes, perfectly lovely human being in person. You send him an email. Good luck to you, brother. Yeah. Okay. Right. That email is not getting returned. <laughs> okay. Or text or call. Off. Right. I mean, no one understands this better than Asher. Okay, yeah. our producer. Okay. So you sent a message to Ben. You have sent it into the abyss. It's true. And it doesn't matter if you're his closest friend, and it doesn't matter if it's a life or death emergency. His brother complains about it. Yeah. His brother talks about it all the time. Oh, by the way, another guy like that in my life is Haas. Right, right. So, like, Haas won't forget my texts or calls or whatever. He won't return his mom's calls. Okay, so I'm putting you on blast. Okay, so, um, but I'm not one of those guys. It drives me crazy if I don't return something. Right. Sometimes it'll happen, but nine out of ten times it's because it got washed out in a sea of something, especially in the middle of the day. So the proper etiquette, since you no one knows, right? Is you're definitely supposed to ping them a second time and go, hey man, you might have missed my first text. Yeah, you're yeah, right. Yeah, yeah. I, I don't know why I didn't do because, that. Because, uh, yeah, maybe half the time or even three quarters of the time, the guy thinks, hey, I was getting to it. First of all, if you waited long enough, he wasn't. Right. Okay. Right. right. So that's when they say, hey man, I was getting to it. It's not true most of the time. Although I have done that sometimes because sometimes it'll take me even two weeks to get back to something. Right. Sure. I'll write it down on my list, etc. But past two weeks in which we're now. Almost past. Oh, get out of here! No, 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 right? So you weren't going to get to it. Uh, but, but let me just say this: to but the other half genuinely missed it, or at least a quarter of them genuinely missed it, and they don't mind you. In fact, they appreciate you paying them. Were here's the thing that is the equalizer on this thing: when you have a show and you're asking someone who's coming from a really successful show to be on your just starting out, not yet super successful show, the Mark Thompson show, please subscribe. You 
feel as though you're kind of asking him to do something that is somewhere between can I get a ride to the airport from you and <laughs> uh, can you uh, go to jury duty instead of me? You know what I mean? It's somewhere in that <laughs> super favor area. And so yeah. I think I was reticent about reaching out again because I felt, oh, God, I don't want to hit him about, you know, because again, for that yeah. ride to so, the airport. So I have two things to say about that. And now you're going to get me into a topic that I have strong feelings about. Okay. So, number one, um, I don't view like first the non-strong feeling one. I don't view going on a show as like any kind of labor. Or it's struggle, not a chore. Okay, chore, yeah. especially if it's your show because we're just gonna have a great time. There's a right. there's no need to prepare, get nervous. I already know the news. Sure. There's like it's the only hassle about being on your show is driving to your place. Oh no, 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 but this is a link, so you don't have to actually be on. You don't have to. I be mean, on. I don't have to be actually be at the. Oh, then studio. I might do it next week when yeah. I'm off. No, great. Okay, no, okay so good. really. That'd um, be great. So, uh, but if I don't have to drive to your place, oh my God, yeah, let's do whatever. Just we, all we have to do is find a, a, a window of time. Yeah. Love to do it. I enjoy right, it. Good. So, I was just telling somebody wrote in a message about uh, this some dog that got high off an edible that I was telling about in the bonus episode, obviously. Uh, <laughs> uh, because I, I was on Helen Hong's podcast right. uh, on Sunday. So, this is going to come out in May. It's called Go Fact Yourself. I think it's gofactyourpod.com if you want to check it. Uh, like, get find out the information about it anyway. Uh, and getting there was a hassle because it was it's downtown. Mm -hmm. I hate going to downtown. So for those of you who don't live in LA, uh, but your downtown is probably similar to this. It's for me, it's not any like the cliched stuff like crime, blah blah blah, right? No, it's it's the traffic there is horrible. Uh, the roads are indecipherable. Right? Yeah, they're like a, it's like Fallujah or something. The roads yeah, are there's so. There's no way you're going to figure it out. Oh, they're, right? uh, yeah, and they're beat up. You know, they're, you know, oh, that's also true. Yeah. So, but this time I'm trying to keep an open mind. I think I left enough time to make it on time, right? So I'm feeling okay about it. And I know if you're going downtown, you got to leave a bunch of time, right? So, and, and so I'm almost there. I'm a mile away and I'm like, okay, look, I, I made it. <laughs> Boom. Giant truck closing this tiny little street in downtown. This is a road closed. So everybody's doing a U turn. And then now your GPS is not relevant anymore. The only way I can get around in downtown is GPS. I have no sense of direction, oh, right? Yeah, of course. Now the GPS is irrelevant because he keeps telling you to go back to the closed road because it doesn't know it's closed, uh. right? And he's like, Knucklehead, why don't you go back to Rampart? I don't get it, right? And so, so I have to try to find a way around. And then I go to the next street and it says, like I have to turn right, but on on the right is this giant pothole. Like so an IED went off, right? It says sign, open trench. Okay, and I'm like ah, just when I was trying to get to a place where I was psychologically felt like okay to go downtown. Downtown was like no, 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 no. Don't get ever again. Don't ever like me. Okay, don't ever make the mistake of liking me. So, but once I got there, it was like, you know, two o'clock to about four o'clock that we were doing the show and show like show related activities and super fun, super fun. Okay. Sure, once you're there, right? Yeah, yeah. I don't want to give away anything that happened on the show, but like they had, I eventually got to meet like a little bit of a childhood. 
No, a hero is a bit strong, but like someone I really liked from my childhood. It's like I have nothing. I, I'm not sure I've ever gone on a show and not liked it, including right wing shows. Sure. Including any shows. I don't ever go, oh, man, I had an awful time on that show. Said me never. Oh, that's great. Well, I mean, I, I guess I was thinking of it as an obligation, but. Uh, I forgot, you know, if we just send you a link, which is all we do, it's easier for us if you don't come in, mm -hmm. oddly, because the studio is not set up like this, you know. Um, oh, that's so, interesting. Yeah, yeah so yeah, it's yeah. easier for us. I just have a single camera, uh, you know, we hope to expand, but right now we're just starting, so we're just, yeah. you know, still trying to keep the keep our head above water, all yeah. of that. So anyway, it's easy to send a link, and so that's- So we'll uh, definitely do that. All right, good. Uh, watch that I don't respond to the next text. <laughs> It turns out I was messing with Next the whole school. time. I'm you guys saw it in the last old school. <laughs> it turns out I have two different personalities. <laughs> One on air and then off air. I'm like grumpy. I'm like, ah, yeah, nah. Tell me what you would do, Jake. Okay. Twice somebody on old school told you they were going to be on your show. <laughs> okay, no, but seriously, now we get to the part that's my pet peeve, okay? Um, so when I was coming up in, in media, if you had an opportunity to do a show, you do a show because you don't have any name recognition at that point. You're trying to get name recognition, you're trying to get on air, you're trying to do all these things. And then and then as I was on TUIT, I would take any opportunity. And so by we got larger, but then would I do like smaller radio shows, smaller this, smaller that? Of course I would, right? Because I believe in PR, I believe in talking to people, etc. But then we got up to a, a situation where some of the YouTube shows got larger than us, right? So we're the first like YouTube partner, we're already kind of like not bad, etc. But then the kids pass us, of course, not the not in news, but in like entertainment. Sure. Right. So Jenna Marbles, Ray William Johnson, these are old school Shane Dawson, uh -huh. old school YouTubers, right? Now I'm not naming them as the people that were in this case, right? Because Ray was on the show, for example. And um but the YouTubers were like Oh no, your subscriber count is lower than ours. No way. Hmm. And then that became part of the culture of online world. Oh, I'm not going to promote someone that's has less subscribers than me. No, that that's called PR. Okay, yeah, let's say you have no. 2 million subscribers, another guy has 1 million subscribers. You're still reaching their 1 million subscribers. Plus, don't be a Okay, right, right. Like you don't have to go and do every dude that just came around the corner as five subscribers, and like you could look at his channel and go, oh, I see why he only has five subscribers. Like I'm not saying that you have to do everything in the world, right? Of course, right. But I hate that attitude of like I'm bigger. Yeah. So I will not do this at all. Okay. Oh, oh, you're trying. And like, no, dude, we're just trying to do cross promotion. Sure, and, and everybody. And by the way, have interesting conversations. Right, and there's that too. And, and there are two points. First of all, everybody was something before they are, you know, the big successful thing that they may be. And secondly, I have my my girlfriend works in uh, or did work in and started an influencer marketing thing. So all those influencers where you know they have uh, you know four million followers and you know some makeup line wants to make them. She dealt in that world, but she used to tell me it's not how many people follow someone because that way any advertiser would just buy the biggest numbers. It's who follows them and how much they actually follow them, how sticky that is. You guys know all of this stuff, but I didn't know it when she was first telling it to me a few years ago. And so to Jenk's point, you know, you end up with a situation, Jenk, where you're going on a show 
that doesn't have a ton of subscribers, but they may be subscribers that have never heard of TYT. Or, or more to the point for you, because I think you're less about self-promoting the brand because it's out there in such a big way. But your the positions that you feel so passionately about, I know for a fact that in order to reach more people, you have to get to other venues to do it. For sure, look, again, when I have time, which might theoretically be soon, I, I, I plan on blitzkrieging the right wing shows. Like, because I bet a lot of them will have us on, right? In the right wing is- And you have a populist message. Yeah, and the right wing is much more open than the left wing. Let's be honest about that. Le left wing is obviously better, we're on the left, right? But, but in terms of like openness, like if you tell a left winger to bring a right winger on their show, they're like, oh no, that would be platforming them. No, that would be talking to them and debating them and engaging them and and oftentimes proving them wrong, right? That's I that's why I respect Sam Cedar. He's like, yeah, you want to debate, you want to get engaged, love it, right? But this whole idea of like, oh, I will not platform them. Well, it depends, dude. Like if you do it like Jimmy did, where. Uh, he brings down like some weirdo alt right crazy guy, and then doesn't explain that he's an alt right guy and makes him look like a progressive. That's bad. That's platforming in the wrong way. If you do it like I did with David Duke, he comes on and I call him an anti-Semite, bigot, racist, idiot. <laughs> okay, that's a conversation, and now we're having fun. Okay, did you call him an idiot for real? Of course, <laughs> of course, of course I did. I remember seeing a clip of it, but I can't remember exactly what you said. <laughs> yeah, no, I it, no. That's why the New York Times had to do that retraction because it was of all their lies about me. That was the one that was so outrageous that neutral journalists were like, "Wait, did you guys see one minute of that interview?" Because in the interview, I keep oh. I'm like, "Oh, here's your face. Rip it off. Rip it. like I'm ripping his face off 24 seven because I don't do normal interviews. I do like, let's go, right? Let's rumble." New York Times said uh, that I brought him on to share his anti-Semitic views. Oh my God! <laughs> and th did they print a retraction? They did, and it was like the worst retraction so of all the time. Retractions are also like Jane Hugo, uh, radio talk show host. I'm like, what radio? Yeah. What, the, what are you talking about? Uh, might have said this in a slightly different way than yeah. we originally reported. Oh, really? <laughs> okay. They said at the end of the show, uh, at the end of the interview, uh, Duke said. Uh, this was the thing that got him in real trouble. Duke said, um, you know, I'm not really racist. And that's after I call him a racist, <laughs> okay? And I said, oh, sure you're not. And New York Times wrote it like I said. Oh, without the sarcasm. Without the sarcasm. Oh, yeah. And you agreed with David Duke that he wasn't racist. Oh, my God. Okay. So, you know, look, I know a lot of people grew up on the New York Times. I grew up on the New York Times. And it's hard for us to admit that it's a bit of a dumpster fire. And so, and it depends. It depends probably. 100%. That's yeah, right. Yeah. Some issues they're great on. Some of their reporting is wonderful, right? And it's not all. There's no conspiracy theory, and it's it's like a messy, invisible hand of the market that gradually moves it. But when they, when New York Times sees progressives, it's just something about everyone that works there. It grates on their every nerve because the right wing is easy to dismiss, but when the progressives have a credible argument against what you're doing, it's nails on a chalkboard for them. God, they hate us. Yeah, and I think that that extends, I have a New York Times story, but it's not related to progressivism in a second. But I think it extends to mainstream media, of course, in television and sort of the legacy media, <coughs> legacy media, 
what they consider the left is, I mean, like Morning Joe is considered the, you know what I mean? These, these, uh, yeah, so it's, uh, these are very mainstream positions. And look, um, the crew from, uh, what is it, the Lincoln, the Lincoln, uh, the Lincoln Group, the Lincoln, what are they called? The Lincoln Project. The Lincoln yeah. Project, yeah, 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 yeah. yeah. Uh, so we know how those guys have tried to reconstitute themselves in, in a different way, but we also know exactly where progressives really live and where progressives really are. So. 100%, we live in two different worlds, right? So in the Washington world, Joe Scarborough and Nicole Wallace are liberals. Are Thank the you, left. that's exactly the point. When Nicole right. Wallace was the literal mouthpiece for George W. Bush and Dick Cheney. Right. She was a communications director, right? And and they genuinely believe it, like they're not faking it. People in Washington genuinely believe Nicole Wallace is as far left as it gets, yep. right? And so, and so anything further left than George Bush's spokesperson, they consider radical, irrelevant, not credible, radical, right? So like that's where the cliff ends for them. So we just live on different plans. And then, but for young people, when I say, you know, MSNBC's this and that, they're like, duh, like that's the most obvious thing in the world. Were you just born yesterday? No one on their, their right mind would ever think MSNBC's progressive. Like, why are you wasting your breath? Like, is there something wrong with you? Like, did you just discover this? So those two worlds are so, there is no intersection in those circles. And they're, and politically, they're about to collide. And so that's kind of an interesting thing. And they, I hope, I hope in Democratic primaries, if not in 24, certainly in 28. Oh, interesting. Yeah, yeah. Because the young people have no tolerance for cable news, you know, douches, for lack of a better word, right? Like they think those guys are so old, so outdated, so anachronistic in how they think about the world, et cetera, et cetera, right? That it's inconceivable, right? And the cable news people think they're still on the very top of the world, and everyone that isn't them is irrelevant. Well, you know why? Because inside the Beltway in Washington D.C., it's an echo chamber. It's its own echo chamber, and the echo an is echo chamber, Mark. Everything's an echo. Sure, chamber. but the echo, the echo in Washington D.C. is created for lawmakers. So they see MSNBC, Fox News Channel, CNBC, where the morning show. They see that stuff. That's why Meet the Press, Face the Nation, these shows that do, you know, very little in the way of viewership. They still have significance because lawmakers watch them. Yeah, and by the way, like no one can read a poll because that's the bias is so thick that it. You literally can't see numbers straight, right? So I say this about the establishment all the time, but I'm gonna say it about the other two groups too. Like the establishment saw like a dozen, two dozen, maybe three dozen polls back to back saying that Bernie Sanders does better against Donald Trump than Hillary Clinton. And they all said Hillary Clinton would do better than Bernie Sanders. They just, they, they see a poll that says mainstream media popularity among the young is 7%. 7%, okay? And they don't believe it. They think, oh no, it's no, nobody believes in polls, right? No, no, no. They hate you. They hate you. Okay, and they don't want to see that because it bothers them. It makes them uncomfortable, right? They want. They love Hillary Clinton. Everyone they know loved Hillary Clinton. Everyone they know hated Bernie Sanders. They're like, no, that does no. That polls got that that two dozen polls in a row must be wrong, right? Now the right wing, like today, I just put out like eighty nine percent of Americans want federal universal background checks. Eighty four percent of Republicans. Want universal background checks? Uh, every right wing you're responding is, oh, polls don't matter. 
No, no, but it's you guys. No, it's 84% of you that want universal background checks. Nope, they don't believe it. They don't believe it. Now they're extreme left. Um, no, uh, defund the police is super popular. Latinx is super popular. And now referring to women as people with uteruses or birthing creatures or whatever is super popular. No, they're not. You, you, I can read a poll. They're deeply, deeply unpopular, right? Nope, nope, everyone I know loves those terms. Everyone I know is disrespectful and uses those. Respectful to who? 96, literally 96% of Latinos say they don't like it, right? Like, no, you have to be respectful of Latinos. I mean, the Latinos and the extreme left and the elites that want this term, okay, forced down everybody's throat, right? You have to be respectful to us. Why do I have to be respectful to you? Why don't I be respectful to 96% of Latinos say, F off, I don't want this, you invented this. I don't, I, I didn't invent this and I have no interest in this. No, they won't see numbers, they can't see straight. So when I'm trying to help and I'm like, guys, Ilhan Omar almost lost her seat because of defund the police because 78% of African Americans in her district were against that policy. Mm. They were the largest demographic against the policy. They're like, no. No what? What does no mean? It's a number. It's a number. But we get, that my point is we're all in a bubble, okay? And I know about bubbles. We know about bubbles, so at least we try to break out of them. At least we try to see straight. We're not going to do that perfectly, right? But at least we're trying to see straight. I don't know anyone else in politics that's even bothering to try to see straight. Sure, there's actually a, uh, you're right, there's a reinforcement that you find. I hadn't really thought about it in the uh, grand scheme until you started making these comments. And I think to myself, yeah, who do you see on those cable news shows? You see uh, a reinforcement. Uh, uh, there's a bias, right, toward essentially reinforcing existing. Uh, there are no questions being asked. There's sort of statements being agreed to, you know. And that's why Trump was bad for this entire situation because he allowed the anti-Trump Republicans, Nicole Wallace among them, to masquerade as true progressives. He allowed. I mean, I'll give you another example. Uh, Liz Cheney. And Kinzinger to be talked about in some sort of way that would reflect an adoration of their general political positions for taking on Trump, their courage. You heard every they should they should one should be put on a Democratic ticket. You know that's the way to win the next election. You heard every manner of this kind of thing. Those people share no positions with those of us on the left. None. It's a it's a pathetic notion. That just, be, just because Trump rose and they were anti-Trump, that somehow they can be embraced. That's how desperate the mainstream media felt for friends in that business, for politicians on the right in that 100%. in that world. Super lasting because I don't, I didn't really didn't want to talk about politics. But each one of those groups think that they're the smartest people on earth, right? The right wingers think like, oh, you've all been brainwashed. The real answers. Only the smart people know it's ivermectin, okay? And if ivermectin seems like it's for tapeworm, no, okay. And you know, on and on, but a hundred different things. Oh, you're oh, you're one of those deluded people who don't know that they're drinking children's blood. Of course, of course, right? And but they really believe it. They believe they're way intellectually superior to the sheep that are blue pilled or whatever, right? Uh, the now the extreme left. Oh my God, they're unbearable. Uh, your position is incorrect. I will not speak to you until you've corrected it. Well, how do you know it's, we haven't even talked? 
I already know it's incorrect. And, but they don't even they don't even acknowledge that. They're like they're so silly and arrogant. Like oh, <laughs> the idea that somebody wouldn't want to be called a person with a uterus. <laughs> okay, no, everybody loves it. Okay. <laughs> they should be corrected. Oh uh, yeah. Yeah, move on, move along, move along. Okay, but the worst of them all, I'm sorry, but is establishment Democrats. They think like they that oh, you children. Did you know that a filibuster is a Senate tradition? Did you know you need 60 votes to get past it? Oh my god, you're so elementary. You're so elementary and think that you're a genius. It's like they're playing checkers and they think they're Spock playing four dimensional chess, <laughs> right? Like, did you know that you could actually do two skips in checkers? Oh, <gasps> I hadn't thought of that. And there's a thing called a parliamentarian. Get the hell out of here, really? A parliamentarian? Huh? No idea. Wow. They really think the rest of us are children. And their arrogance, just for me, that's nails on a chalkboard, right? Right, right. So, right. and there's a lot of that, and especially when, and then I'll tell you the New York Times story has nothing to do with politics, but uh, there's a lot of that, particularly when uh, momentum starts to build. So you'll find it on the right and left, and the left now has a little. I say the left, the mainstream, Biden has a little momentum now. He has mm -hmm. a little legislative momentum. He has a little mm -hmm. uh, a momentum from the standpoint of sort of feeling it. You know what I mean? And uh, even his chief of staff is sort of a mainstreamer, right? I mean, yeah, so you, you end up with this, uh, you just end up with an arrogance is what you're talking about. Yeah, and I think yeah. it starts to inform style and policy. Yeah. yeah. And then the last part of their unbearable, as far, this applies to everyone in Washington, is uh, the, the, like, it's the same thing as the, like, the original arrogant YouTubers and the whole social media landscape, unfortunately, these days. Like, they're like, did you know? He's the chief of staff to the president, like as if we're all supposed to bow down, like what's it all along? Okay, like what is? But they genuinely believe that is that's not what Christy Smith said to me. She's not even in Washington. Trust me, she tried three, four times, didn't work out. <laughs> anyway, that was in the former 25th district in California. In the debates, I was saying, you know, Christy thinks this, Christy. She's like, that's State Representative Smith. <laughs> uh, okay. Well, yeah. How like, does that help you in an argument? Yeah. yeah. No, no, I don't respect your silly little titles. No, sorry. And by the way, when I say that, nothing makes them angrier. I have earned this status. The status is everything. No, I don't think it's anything. I think the fact that you're a representative or a senator means you're probably a bad person. Like that's ninety percent of you guys. So I view you as like lower, like not higher. And oh my god, <laughs> heads explode. <laughs> they're so elitist they don't know they're elitist. Like they they're they they're they're the fish going what water. Right. It's baked in. It's right. Baked, the attitude's yeah. baked in. Yeah. I was gonna tell you the New York Times story. Oh, the New York Times story. Let me tell it to you. It's nothing to do with politics. So I married, I officiated a wedding at my home for my good friend and a friend of, I believe, everyone here, Ben Mankiewicz's brother, Josh Mankiewicz. Okay. So it's kind of a high profile dude because he's on Dateline NBC, he's on primetime television, 
and he's marrying uh, this woman who he met in this interesting way online at the airport and blah, blah, blah. So it's kind of an interesting story. They're getting married at his friend's house, that's me, and his friend is conducting the wedding, that's me, officiating it. So the New York Times is there to cover it. And they brought a photographer and they bring this person who reports on lifestyle stuff and, you know, stories like this. So that's fine. We have the wedding. Everything's great. Everything goes well. Phone rings the next day. It's the woman from the New York Times. She says, I just wanted to get clear on a couple of details before I write up the piece. When we walk in, there is a bench type thing there in front and it was populated by these baskets with names on it uh, can you just describe that again for me i said yeah there was a basket with names there were candles and uh, other blah, blah, blah. she said okay good 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 and the uh vow that was read was that a and she goes so i you know reviewed that for her she said great i might have a couple of questions but thank you Click. she called four more times with details that she wanted to get right. And I respected that. I thought, great. So she's wanting to get every little detail perfect for this story that's going to run in the Sunday New York Times. So the Sunday New York Times piece comes out. It has the story of how the two met. It has a picture of them being married at my home. It has all this. It was a big piece. And she has me, and this is the only because it read to me, I guess this is why I care. I had just left Fox, uh, the local, uh, owned and operated station, Fox News, the local station in Los Angeles, uh, 18 months prior or something like that. She has me as a retired newsman. I'm thinking, I'm not a retired, I'm, I'm still working on the radio, I'm doing a lot of stuff, but I get it, I'm not working on television anymore, but I'm not retired. And by telling everyone that I'm retired, it's, it's not helping my brand, you know what I mean? And it's not right. So I didn't know what I should do. I didn't call her, but Josh called her and said, hey, just so you know, my friend is not a retired newsman. He's still very much working. And in the online edition, supposedly they corrected it. But a lot of people frame that paper edition and... The New York Times, the vaunted New York Times, who, and they went to so much trouble to get every other detail right. I mean, the, the color of the pavers to the kinds of flower arrangements that were set up, but they couldn't even bother to ask. And tell me, again, you do what? Just to, you know, it was. Yeah. That's my experience with the New York Times. No, and anyone who has experience with reporters, unfortunately, print reporters, you get some version of this story. And that sucks because I want print reporters to be awesome. Sure, right, right, and I, that's why I support print media. Yeah, yeah, yeah because we need them. I mean, they're exactly. the ones that do most of the actual news gathering, right? But man, it's hard not to get disappointed when you have a personal interaction. With with me, it's so extreme because it's such a. Well, that was really wrong what they yeah, did. Yeah, but and and we've I've discussed that way too many times and the other things that they smeared me on, etc. But even on benign things like the one you're describing, non-political, etc. And a friend of mine in the beginning of COVID, he's he's a healthcare expert, knows exactly what he's talking about, unquestionable credibility. But he, he, he called me after a while and he's like, now I know what happened to you at the New York Times. He's like, I will tell reporters something and if they don't want to hear it, 
They just ignore it and they just keep going back to the thing they're trying to prove. And, and sometimes they'll just write what I said in a completely twisted way to say the opposite. Because they're trying to make, they're trying to prove their point. Mm. And they're not really trying to get an expert opinion. They're not really trying to do X, Y, or Z. They're trying to create a narrative. And if, by the way, if you work in news, you that word will have triggered something for you right now. Like there's often talk of narratives, right? But the narratives are just invented. <laughs> like they're not real. They're like, okay, this is what we want to do. This is what we want the world to look like. So we're going to invent this narrative, and then we're going to take. Like even the experts they go to, you think, oh, those are the experts. No, they cherry pick those experts. And sometimes even when they didn't get what they wanted, they twist their words to make it seem like this. I have told this story a hundred times. We submit op-eds to Washington Post, etc. And they're like, that doesn't fit our narrative. I know, because <laughs> it's my op-ed, not your op-ed, right? So it's so obvious what they're doing, but but you but you can't see it unless you're in it, right? Yeah. And um, I remember Tim Russert for all the way back in the day. So one of the first HuffPost blogs that I wrote, it, he talked about the narrative of comeback for George W. Bush back in 2006, and I was like, what narrative? And that was what the blog was about. I was like, like the polling shows he's gone nothing but down. There's no poll showing him bouncing back up. Like you got a couple of polls, okay, now you're talking about, hey, is he making a comeback, right? No, Tim Russell just invented that George W. Bush was gonna have a comeback. Wow. And and he even said narrative on the air, right? And they all talked about, oh yeah, yeah, comeback, comeback. I'm like, you guys are trying to wish it into existence. Guess what happened? There was never a comeback. In those two years, all he did was sink. And by the end, Dick Cheney, for example, was polling at 9%. Isn't that amazing? Wow. The vice president of the United States polled at 9%, single digits. While on TV, they're talking about the narrative of comeback for that administration. And then later, those same guys hired their communications directors and made them a host. NBC, MSNBC, same company. Okay. Oh, wow, that's right. Sure. Okay. Anyways, all right, we're moving. Um, Biden flavor corn pop rice in the member section. I agree, downtown LA is like a deep pit. The streets are like remnant from 1905. Narrow, confusing, and at night it's, and then she's got three uh, skull and bones there. Right? Yeah, no it's scary. It can be yeah. scary. The TYT Sweet 16 batch was downtown. And boy, I thought I'd never get out of there. <laughs> a kind door guy got me a cab somehow. Lordy, and another skull. Okay, Man. the LA downtown, it's something. Mm. Okay, um, uh, Louis Cypher says, but the only thing that I won't do for a friend is help them move. Fair, okay. Uh, I just feel as though going to pick somebody up at the airport is a tough one to ask because you have to stay in a parking lot and you have to check on the flight and it's um taking somebody to the airport is easy i mean i've taken a million people to the airport when you're asked to pick somebody up at the airport i feel as though uh it's more difficult no i have a rule okay so good news i have a rule okay i like how you're coming with no no i have a rule uh so number one uh if a friend is asking you, your age or younger, okay, you say, uh, any reason why you can't take an Uber? 
Right, like, <laughs> like I'm just flat out about it. No, no, I'm serious. Like, You're, that's great about you. Okay. Yeah. So, but, but by the way, it depends, right? Like, if their economic situation is not so great, then I don't ask that question. Sure. Okay. Right. Um, but, uh, but the only people I say, oh yeah, I'll come pick you up, is my parents. Because at a certain age, you're oh, not right. gonna have your parents walk down well, to the goddamn different. Uber at LAX. Okay. That's different. And you have to walk down four terminals, it's a mess, yeah. etc. Yeah. So for my parents, I'm gonna go pick them up, right? Yeah. So it's it's an age age and income dependent. Right? Although I did send a car for my mom once, because I had a conflict, I was shooting something. But she, I, I said, I really want the guy, to, I made a big thing that I want the guy to have her name and I want him to be super friendly. You know, she's uh, you know an older lady coming in from the so I think for her it was kind of fun. It was like oh, oh you know, yeah, to get yeah, a car yeah. service, yeah, 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 exactly. yeah, that's definitely fun. Yeah, no, walking down from Terminal Four to oh. Terminal One in yeah. LAX to get to the Uber and cross the street, not fun. No, okay, no, no. no. So, uh, so but, wait a minute. So you for, at, so is there any reason you can't take an Uber? And then of course parents you do. So that's how you handle it. But you don't. Yeah. Okay, you don't do it though. Unless it's your parents. Yeah, 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 yeah. Like if somebody says, "Oh yeah, there's a reason because I want I want you to pick me up and then we're gonna go straight to the game." Oh great, that makes sense. Oh okay, okay, I'll okay, come. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Like I'm asking a literal question. Right. But if they're like, "Oh, I don't know, I didn't want to," I'm like, "No, no, no, you don't understand. My house is 15 minutes from the airport. Yeah, it's gonna cost you 17 dollars. You're gonna be okay. Okay, yeah. I'll pay." Right. Well, that's okay. that I've done before. I, in fact, that's all I do. I yeah. go, no problem. You're gonna send a car. You're gonna be. You're gonna be. And and I won't send a car. That's too expensive. Get in the goddamn Uber. I'll pay for that. I'll pay the Uber. <laughs> I have to do it with the, with the girlfriend. I have to go. Okay, sorry. I'll pay for the car service. <laughs> uh, but at, but asking me to help you move? Nah, I was in the 20s and 30s, brother. I'm done with that. Like, oh no, you can't. Yeah, if, say if you like, you came to me and said. Hey Jake, like I'm moving. Can you just come a couple of couches? I just be like, no. But but if you're like, but like I'm being dead serious. If you're running low on cash, sure. no problem. Like I'll like right. I'll help well, you. I'll help you figure out a way. If right. you're a DIY person, then I can understand doing it yourself. Um, right, but that's called doing it yourself. <laughs> that's not <laughs> DIC. Yeah. Do it jank. Okay. DIWC. Doing it with jank. No, right. No, not buying it. Um, I helped a lot of guys move when I was younger. I'm done with it. Okay, it's the worst. It's the worst. I had my neighbor come over two days ago because I hit a huge pothole at night. It blew out my tire. In fact, the car was maybe a quarter of a mile from the house, it was flat by the time it got to the house. My neighbor is a gearhead, so he's got, you know, he's got air compressor, lug nut set, he's got every, I mean, he's, he could run like a NASCAR pit right out of his garage. And he was walking his dogs when I said, hey, you know, I need a blah, 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 blah. He said, I said, all I need is an air compressor. I want to see if I can just fill it with enough air to get to the tire shop. So we fill it with air and the air, you can feel it pouring out of this fracture that was caused by this immense pothole. So now, and this goes to like the guy who would move you. I feel like this guy is close to that. He said, no problem, we're gonna, let me get some box in here, we'll put it in the car, we're gonna you know, undo the tire. I've already called a tow truck, but he goes, no, 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 we're gonna do this ourselves. He takes the tire off, runs it to the tire shop with me. Tire shop is about to close. 
Uh, he said, no problem, we'll be back in an hour, we'll pick it up. He, and he was, at, then he goes to the store, he swings back to the tire shop on the way back from the store, comes back, puts the tire back in the car, the whole thing, by 1 p.m., it was done. That is an extraordinary dude, I think. Absolutely, I have a neighbor like that too. Those guys are awesome, they're worth their weight in gold. The only thing is, do not expect to be, to have that favor returned in kind. <laughs> like I could return a different favor. Right. right, right, and I can give you a favor in a different way, and uh, but I'm not going to be able to replace your tire in a pinch. That's yeah. just not going to happen. Yeah. So everybody's got different strengths, but yes, it's awesome to have a neighbor like that. I often on old school talk about my neighbor who, who's he's you know how the military says stay, stay frosty, he's frosty twenty four seven. He's he's his head's on a swivel. He's, in fact, one time I was jogging by and he's driving by in the neighborhood and he goes like this to me. <laughs> <laughs> I love him. I love He's also named Mark. That's um, great. Yeah, the other day there was some sort of incident at my house and I thought, <laughs> and Mark was the first one out there. Okay, he had a situation completely under control before anything else, anybody else knew what was happening. Okay, and I often kid around. If anybody comes for me, the last person they're ever gonna see is Mark. Okay, that's so great. That's so great. Yeah. <laughs> so that's it's nice to have a security blanket like that. Uh, anyways, I gotta read these. We need the and one topic. We didn't even get to the topic. We're almost out of time. All right. Uh, to hear Kathleen writes in on uh, Twitch. I sub to your show, Mark. Awesome. Thank you, Kathleen. Uh, Late Bloomer sixty six says, "Oh my God, be still my beating heart." It's Mark Thompson in the studio with Jank. Uh, the, OG, oh, the OG Mountain Dragons is glad to have Mark on again. Last time he was on one of the best old schools ever. Wow. wow. Dave Schmidt 311 gifted two tier one subs. We appreciate it. And gifted 892 overall. Grew Dragon says, Jake, I have a crazy idea. How about we organize a book club to read your book with you? We might do That's that. We might do idea. that. In fact, Mark, you, what do you have there? I have the book. And let me tell you, when I walked into the studio, you know, I like full disclosure to the audience always, Cenk. Uh -huh. It's, you know, it's the coin of the realm with me. Uh -huh. Full disclosure. I yeah. saw the book, Justice is Coming, Cenk's book. And I said, I want to needle drop this book. I want to crack it open to a random page and I want to read from it. And Cenk said, if you do it, don't do it right now. Do it when we're on the, we're about to go on the air. Yeah. Right. So do you want me to do it or not? Go ahead. All right. I have not. Read one uh, word of this yet. I just have seen it. So we'll open it here. Yeah. This is part three. Starts with a quote from Allison Chains Down in a hole, and I don't know if I can be saved. This is chapter 21. Derek's left hand is on the steering wheel, and his right hand rests on, is it Marin's knee? Mm. Yes! Is this your book? It's not your book. How dare you? How dare you? How dare you? I'm, this is outrageous. This is a prop book. Look at the back. Show them the back. I've been too. <laughs> okay. No. The at, at least I discovered it after four words. <laughs> yeah, you're like, wait, why is Jake talking about putting his hands on me? It was a little. Okay, no, no, no. They they send you that so you can show it on air, but the actual <laughs> book itself doesn't get set until later. In fact, 
I just got an email two days ago saying, hey, it's finally typeset or something. I see. Right? Well, it's very, the I love the good. cover. Cover's good. Okay. How progressives are going to take over the country and America is going to love it. Cenk Uger, very good. Well, I'm uh, excited for it. Can I show you one uh, f a funny thing about it here? I'll use this version. Okay, so come to me. Um, you see the hand? We actually, this is the world that we live in. We had discussions about what color to make the hand. Okay, and because you don't want to make it all white and you don't want to make it black, you want to make it as close to my hand as possible. Okay? I see. Wait, like this. Did we do it? That's a little bit darker than my hand. It's like my face. Color. But that's the right, uh, that's the, it's odd how that becomes significant. But yeah, but but you can't you can't make it a black hand, right? Because I'm not black, okay? Right. And you and making it a white hand is kind of weird, right? Yeah. So that's that we had to have that conversation. All right. Uh, by the way, William Elmore just joined on YouTube. We appreciate it, brother. Uh, great to have you with us. So the topic I want to discuss, which I'll broach here, and then we'll have to do it in the members only episode largely, is uh, ties. Ties. Neckties. Neckties. Yeah. Um, so they're obviously absurd. There is no question in the world that 200 years from now, there will not be a single necktie. Everyone knows that. They're from an ancient time. They have no utility other than to squeeze your neck. Okay, none, zero utility. They're preposterous. Why? Like, if you just think about it for a second, what are we doing? Why are we wearing these silly contraptions? <laughs> Like in the old days, they must have had some reason and some historian that's watching will write in, uh, in and tell us why, right? But they probably used partly as a kerchief or something, right? They had to have some reason. But now they're, we just wear them because, I don't know, we wear them, right? And so obviously we're gonna get rid of them at some point, but not yet. Like the zeitgeist hasn't moved yet mm. where they go, in fact, I'm part of the zeitgeist in that when I was on MSNBC a decade ago, I was like, can I not wear a tie? Because it's kind of goofy.